Right, we'll welcome you to Breakthrough City Church. Welcome to those that are listening online and will listen afterwards. Um, I just believe um, God is doing something amazing in our time right now. And uh, even this morning of the ministry. So um, I just believe God wants to just further just dig something open. So our time is a bit short what I want to share. So I'm going to try do this quickly if you listen quickly with me this morning. Um, this morning I want to just share... Um, that we each understand something about what God has called us to do. And if I want to give this a, a, a type of a, a heading, then I'll call it basically and just say the Lamb's reward. The Lamb being Jesus Christ's reward. And um, um, the Word of God speaks about this in the book of Peter as well as in the Old Testament. And speaks about how um, all that, that as believers, all of us have been called to be priests unto the Lord. So all of us have been called to be priests unto the Lord, and um, that um, and basically there's different there's three ministry um, types of ministry that each believer has, right? Three types of ministry that each believer has, and I just want to give this. We're going to jump into the things further now, but just a bit of a background. So we've been called as believers to minister unto the Lord, and we have a ministry as priests to the Lord. Now the first one I want to say is ministry to God himself. Ministry to the Lord himself is one of the first um, place of, of ministry as a believer. So ministry unto the Lord. And uh, just remember what I said is that God doesn't need our ministry. He doesn't need our worship. God is not looking for worship. He doesn't, he's not someone that, ah, you've got to worship me. No, we know that what John 4 says that God is looking for worshipers. All right? He doesn't need worship. But he's looking for worshippers. Because what we also know is that whatever you worship is, that's what you become like. Alright, so um, the first ministry we speak about is unto the Lord. And whatever you worship, you become like. You become transformed. You worship money, that's who you become like. Okay, remember mammon is in control. That's ruling the economies of the world. Um, it's a spirit being. You become like that, ruthless, cutthroat, etc., etc., etc. The second ministry is uh, of the believer is our love and ministry to the church. All right, our love and ministry to the church, not an organization I'm speaking about, but to people that are in the church. So our second ministry as believers is ministry to one another, to the church. All right. The third. Uh, point of ministry as a believer is ministry unto the world. Ministry unto the world. Alright. So, um, just remember, we're going to worship God throughout eternity. And for eternity. And we're starting here, and we'll continue to worship Him for eternity. But, um, that, you know, I must understand the one urgent thing that is, is really pressing is um, what we only have and we can do here, and that is that is called we refer to as evangelism. Because evangelism can only take place now. All right. So this is very key. Evangelism can only take place now, because once this age has passed, it's passed. Isn't it? You can't evangelize if people have gone to heaven or hell. What you? It's gone. So the urgency is in the time that we have uh, uh, on planet Earth, and that, and the, the amount of days that is allotted to each one of us. Okay, 
that what is really pressing the heart of the Father is really the thing of evangelism. So um, the, the first two are points that are referred to of ministry of a believer is ministry to uh, the Father, you know, in, in worship and the Son, the Holy Spirit, but also the ministry to one another as well. But what is, what, you know, that is priority, but we need to understand that, um, that in this worship of the Father, that will enhance our evangelism. And we'll get to that in a moment. So, um, if, I, if I can say that evangelism in its purest form is actually an overflow of worship. If you worship, if you're a worshiper, like, like uh, Mary worshipped, Jesus' feet and um, she gave everything, she laid down everything. Who was affected around there? The people. Well, they manifested also what was in their hearts. That's the other side. But I want to tell you the effect of that because it says even this for eternity, for eternal purposes will be recorded about what she did when she worshipped and prepared and washed the feet of Jesus. We, we, I'm sharing about it now. So, the effect of worship is us. The effect of worship is actually the heart of the Father being revealed to the world. That's evangelism. That's the purest form of worship. The effect of knock-on effect is actually telling the people and sharing the love that you and I are experiencing of Him with the world around us. This is one plus one, guys. It's not rocket science. This is, really, this is actually our, our, our worship of Him is an outflow of what we do concerning reaching people. It's the same as finances. I said, when I got saved, the whole thing about finances, because I had encountered the living God, He transformed my life, and this amazing love I experienced, I, 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 I just would give. Even where the, the God discipling said, you, you mustn't just give or commit yourself with all the finances, this... But how can you outgive what you experienced? Do you understand? So whatever you worship, there's an overflow from. If the overflow is not worship, you have a lot of areas in your life that you have problems with. Hello. Alright. Um, so we're going to have a look at some scriptures. We refer to, we're going to go to Matthew now, Matthew 9. But let's have a look. Just I refer to, uh, you can have a look later in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 6, it speaks about how um, uh, Isaiah is before the Lord. And he, it says then, I saw, I see the Lord. I saw the Lord lifted high. I see the Lord. Now, the thing is, um, the next minute, so he, he says, I see the Lord. Okay, so he's busy worshipping and he encounters the Lord. He sees the Lord. And you'll see in the next verse, I think it's verse 5, it speaks about, he says, Isaiah says the following about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, it says there, who shall we send? So the first thing is he encounters God. He says, uh, he, he, he says I see the Lord. His encounter in worship, the knock-on effect of that was what the Father, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit says, Who shall we send? From the encounter is what he picks up the heart of the Father from who shall we send. Are you, are you with me? So, um, and the next thing he says what? Send me. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying here. 
Your encountering in worship of God brings you to a place of seeing me. Here I am. I want to change the area around where I stay. I want to change the business I'm in, uh, the people around that I have encountered. I want to change where I'm training and equipping. I want to see with my family, whatever. Remember I said this, the principle is this, the word says when one gets saved, the rest of the family is going to be impacted. If you, when someone gets saved in your family, the Bible says this. I said the other week, that's what happened in my family. My extended family started getting saved. In, right, my parents got saved within a year. My extended family, I heard of people getting saved, whatever. Because when you encounter the one, and there's a, you're worshipping, something happens to affect the people around you. Because you cannot, because you say, send me. Man, I preached to my dogs, I preached to everything that was moving. Alright, so in other words, anyone in worship that actually sees the heart of the Father, they want to stay there, but guess what? God takes them and sends them out to others. So that thing about really, and it's a challenging question, true worshippers of God will actually share what is in their life? Who send me? Isaiah encounters the living God, and he says, "Send me," because he knew the heart of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He cast me out into the nations. That was that's when I got saved. That that that's what happened in my own life. Isaiah sixty-two. Um, I actually got one of them on my arm, the one verse on my arm here. Yeah inscribed but um, Isaiah 62 is very interesting in that chapter but Isaiah 62 speaks about um, the whole thing it speaks about your walls are salvation and your gates are praise enter the gates with thanksgiving enter the gates with praise so your walls are salvation and your gates are praise right so something actually happens listen to this something actually happens when people of God become a, a, a worshipping company of people Something happens. Now that's why it's so important. Remember your personal walk with God. That personal place of the secret place. Alright. Doesn't replace the corporate place. But there's the corporate gathering. And what actually happens. So just understand this. Singing a lot of songs. And having masses of people. Doesn't transform anything. But having worshippers. Worship together. Transforms everything. So that's what we refer to as a governing church. It is a local church. can be in a city. Sometimes you might have one or two governing churches in a city. But it's actually churches that keeps the heavens open. Keeps the spiritual realm open. For heaven to invade earth. That's what happened in the upper room. So what is actually happening is that... Um, when there's a company of people that are worshippers, now remember, God is not looking for worship. And He's not looking for people to sing songs. Worship happens everywhere, any place. But when we corporatively come together, there's a corporate anointing. And what actually starts to happen is that when we are start to worship, what actually happens, things happen in the atmosphere. Things get shifted in the atmosphere. 
God is looking for co-laborers, guys, because he could have just done it with a, this and everything sorted. What's this? Who's it with the rings on his finger, whatever? <laughs> Marvel movies, whatever. Click. You understand? But God didn't click his finger, he sent his son. <laughs> because power is not laid up in the clicking of your finger. It's laid up in line, laying your life down. That's where power is. Alright, so what happens when we come together, something happens in the atmosphere. There's something that people get, basically, um, when, when we're worshipping together, people in the neighborhood, yeah, I don't know if you realize this, something starts happening in these houses or these businesses around you. You know, this is the thing about that, that uh, and this is, this is really a prayer of my heart in that when I got saved in my early years, I'd read about um, people like John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth, where they would just be ministering area, actually they all ministered in Bloemfontein, by the way. Um, they would be ministering and in like a 10, 15 mile radius. Everybody, they, you know, this came out later, where when they were in that place, People would just be busy with something. They'll fall flat on their faces and receive Jesus into their hearts because of the presence of God was so tangible. Because they were saturated in that place of worship with God. That when they said, send me, cast me into the nations, something happened around them where they went. So this is the thing for us to understand. When we come together corporatively, that's why, I mean, on a rainy day, and I know people are busy and things and that sometimes and this and that, but it is so imperative that when we come together, something happens in agreement here, in that corporate anointing, in a place of worship, as we gather together, that we become the effect of what happens in the region and the area and in the city and in the villages. Remember, you don't, it's, two, it's two fish and five loaves. It's not 33,000 people. It's 300 people. It is 12 disciples. It's not 15,000 being fed. We've got to think like God thinks. It is those that come with the right heart in the place of worship that things get shifted around us. Atmospheres get shifted around us. There we hear about, um, you know, just different things that happen in that... Um, you know, like uh, Will was sharing about, even with, you know, a year ago, this certain business person has been just checking out, checking out, checking out. What did they see? Like he said, well, I don't know. What happened? Well, I know there's a lifestyle. I know things are happening in the house. I know even, I mean, uh, 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 just where, where worshippers are taking hold of God, things have been shifted. Because God inhabits the praises of His people. Hello? Not the songs of his people. It's where their hearts are connected to. So, worshipping God is central to who we are. Even as a local church. This is so key. Even God even emphasized this, even in this year, about worship. Okay? So, understand there's three things. There's thanksgiving. We've shared about this. There's praise and there's worship. There's thanksgiving, there's praise, there's worship. What is thanksgiving? 
Thanksgiving, I said, is a response to what God has already done. Alright, thanksgiving for what God has already done. Um, praise is what? Praise is a response to who He is. I praise Him because of who He is. It's my response to who He is. Thanksgiving is the testimony. Is that what He's already done? Praise is of who He is. And worship is a response to His presence. So if you're not aware of His presence, worship becomes very boring. And people find it difficult, so they needed the upbeat music for everything. Because so there's many times people have praise and thanksgiving in that. And I say, they are important, please understand this. But people never get to worship because they don't understand presence. Mary fell at his feet and washed his feet because of his presence. It's not just um, about, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, how I feel. As we've said this before, it's not about how I emotionally feel. How I feel to praise the Lord because I'm so excited, you know. <gasps> you know. <laughs> Man, I used to get depressed. When I say depressed, I, I, the first time I, I put a loaded weapon against my head, I think I was uh, about seven years old. Great. Sabi, it's great too. Um, and I would be up and down my mom and them later years. When I got saved, thank God Jesus set me free, but my parents would say, my mom would say, my boy, you always had moods. You were always sulking. You were always, and you always spoiled things. I remember, I can tell you now, of a photo when I was four years old. And my family, we had a photo, it was a Christmas thing, but I was sulking, and it was in East London around the pool. I can remember a photo afterwards. And I was not in that photo because I was, not, I was sulking. Now, guys, come on, man. The devil stole. So I'm saying I came from that place. So there's music I had to stop listening to. I won't mention the names. Before, before I got saved. Because I got depressed listening to it. And I soothed my emotion. So when I got saved, I found a place in God of worship and a presence there that I came alive. Alright. So... Um, so I said, so this is not about just the emotional state, but someone who has been in the environment of worship, listen to me, is much more clearer and focused when it comes to evangelism. In times of, of worship, there's such a thing that you pick up the heart of the Father for people out there. That's what worshipers do. Worshippers go like a heat-seeking missile after the lost. Oh, hold on, I'm going to get there now. I have to just push this a bit with time. Um, Alright, so in the, in the place of worship, you actually gather confidence, by the way. If you say, I don't have confidence, come on. Uh, uh, you know, we have a lot of introverts here. Uh, it's a joke. Uh, but the, um, the thing is, there's nothing about introverts or extroverts. It's about when you encounter God, you become a heat-seeking missile. You just go for the things of God. So I want us just to have a look at Matthew 9. You can turn with me to Matthew 9. To Matthew 9, and I'm going to read so long, verse 35. 
Uh, I touched on this earlier this week in that at our encounter night, Matthew ch- uh, chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. And I actually don't have, I don't have it because my phone is also recording things in that. But there's a passion translation that you guys must read this in. The, the one translation is very good. So um, I'm reading out of New King James in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says here, Then Jesus went about uh, all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having, uh, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Alright? Um, God never says pray for the harvest. He says pray for the laborers. Because Jesus says, you say it's so many months away, the harvest. He says, but it's already ready. Now, he's brought in because he works outside of time. He, the harvest is already ready. It's not what you see. He's saying it is ready, ready. The harvest. He's saying pray for the harvest, harvesters. Now, listen to this. This can be quite a crazy thought if you want to think about this. Is the size of the harvest that God wants to bring in on planet earth determined by the amount of harvesters perhaps I say again the harvest that he wants to bring in on planet earth is it determined by actually the amount or the lack of harvesters laborers if he says the harvest is ready why is the harvest not coming in? You see, the harvest is ready, but there has to be harvesters. There has to be laborers. Without, um, Without you and me as the church taking up our responsibility, what's going to happen is that there's going to be unfulfilled promises of God in our city or in our nation or in our nations. Why? Because God has promised things about this city, about this nation and the nations. But those promises cannot become into fulfillment unless, remember all prophecy is conditional by the way. Promises are there, but is it not that um, they've been unfulfilled because we don't see the laborers? I'll give you an example now. Um, you see, the promises of God for your and my life and for our nation involves the church. The direct result of a city or of a nation is, the, 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 the condition of a city or a nation is the direct result of the condition of a church. Because in heaven, heaven invades through the local church. Book of Acts. Remember, God chose co-laborers. He's not sovereignly. He can do anything if he wants as a sovereign God. But from the beginning, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. 
rule, reign, have dominion, multiply. He hasn't changed the mandate because he sent the last Adam, Jesus Christ, to say, yeah, get back your mandate. I've taken the keys of death. I've taken authority. I give it back to you. I'm leaving. Bye-bye. And he exits earth. But he says, before I leave, the Father's going to send the promise to the Holy Spirit. And the power I walked in as well is what you were walking to do what I did. And you'll do even greater things than I did. Right, so that we need to be involved, guys. We need to be involved in the promise God says. You see, I mean, there's prophecies being given about billion soul harvest. That was given 20 years ago. Billion soul, not million, billion soul harvest is going to come in. Things are really happening. There's things we hear across the earth shaking of people, people, places, God moving, people getting saved. Right? So, when I say that the promises of God involve our involvement, now remember this, that God gave a promise to Israel. Isn't that so? He gave a promise to Israel that I'm giving you the promised land. But the majority of Israelites didn't inherit it. So what now? Because they didn't cooperate with the promise to see the promise fulfilled. A lot of us have prophetic words or maybe promises of our lives. But because we are not cooperating with what God wants to do, we don't see it fulfilled. That happened to Israel. So many people did not enter the promised land because they didn't co-labor with God. Because they failed to co-labor with Him. So... Um, Listen to me, I, and, and this is sometimes I, where we used to be involved many years ago. We were very busy with church activities. Now, let me tell you, Jesus doesn't give us an assignment just to keep us busy. Hey, you must be busy bodies, busy bodies. You must do the church thing. Busy, 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 busy. That's why we cut a lot of our, totally our programs, things that we did. Totally we cut it in this church. Because everyone's busy. You're more busy, yeah, and we formed a subculture. Not a kingdom culture, a subculture that you never got to see the people in the world getting lost. So we totally cut everything. This is now years ago. Some of you might not even know that. Because your life speaks loud wherever you go. It's not the program that changes something, it's your life. It's not we're going to go do evangelism now. If it's not your lifestyle, you don't have the culture of revival then. Because the culture of revival is that lifestyle. It's not what we're going to do. It's what, who we are. It's just the outflow of who we are. Jesus does not give us... Uh, 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 or let me just say this. Jesus is looking for agreement uh, with us from someone so that he can actually bring something forth. He's looking for people. Hey, agree. He's just looking for co-laborers. Alright? So... Um, Jesus, what he, Jesus is saying here is that he's basically saying, listen, uh, here's my heart. This, in the scripture in this chapter 9, he's saying, here's my heart. And the harvest field is rich and it's ready. He's saying, hey, don't you hear my heart? This is what's happening. So, um, and then basically, he say, then he says, he says, but what I want you to do is I want you 
to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So he's saying, listen, this is my heart, but I want you to ask the Father. I want you to ask him there to send out laborers. So, um, and the next minute, now listen to this, verse eight. It says, uh, 38, it says this, Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out to send out laborers into the harvest. Now, um, that word send out, alright, actually what it actual meaning of that word means forcefully thrust. Send out. The word means forcefully thrust. And um, it is actually used in military terms for throwing out something forcibly into harvest. It's a military term. It's not, how do you feel today? You see, a lifestyle of the passion of worship encountering Him gives you energy. It gives you a grace to walk out there. The other interesting thing is that um, this same word here, if you carry on reading in Matthew chapter 10, where it says, and that you must cast out demons. It's the same word that he's used in the Greek. It's a forceful thrusting. Alright? So, um, verse 37, verse 38 again, yeah. What was Jesus doing when he saw the harvest fields? What, what was he actually doing? Now listen to me. What was happening in this context? If you read here, what was he doing? He's just been healing the sick. He's just been casting out devils. That's the context of what he's just spoken about. So what is he doing? He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the context is that he turned to the twelve disciples. Now he turns to the twelve disciples and he says... Um, you, 12, you disciples, have got to now contend with the Father to cast you out. You need to contend with the Father for labors. So, yeah, set an example. He's not saying, okay, now you must go, do you know Jesus? Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. The context of what he was doing, he was healing. He was doing miracles, signs and wonders. This is what the church must be doing. Because a lot of us are trying to lead someone to Jesus and they haven't encountered him because all they've been encountered was a religious story about give your heart to Jesus so you're going to go to heaven. But when they saw the miracles, healing, signs and wonders, what we must be doing on the streets, you don't, that's how you see the goodness of God. Then you want to give your heart to Jesus, man. When someone's raised from the dead, when someone's healed, it's like, yes, I want to serve this God because he's alive. It's not what was misrepresented to me by the institutional church. Come on. Guys, you know in South Africa, in this city, they said, uh, you know, in, in 94, 73% of the nation was Christian. Come on. You're telling me if 73%, how much must be now Christian? So something, that's the institutional church many times. It, it, it doesn't, remember, religion is a form of godliness but lacks the power. Okay. 
So th this we need to understand the context. So Matthew chapter 10, uh, I just want to read verse 1. Matthew 10 verse 1. And when he had called his 12 dis uh, disciples to him. Now remember, just by the way, the, uh, the original writings never had uh, uh, um, verses in it. Eh? So this is actually was continuing uh, chapter 10. And verse 1 says the following. Now he's told him, he has the miracles, healings, and he says, listen, pray for the Lord of the harvest for laborers. And then verse 1 says this, and when he had called his disciples, the twelve, to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Alright? Verse 7. And, and as you go, and as you go, it's movement, momentum, Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely have received, freely give. Alright, so Jesus was actually equipping the disciples of how to bring in the harvest. So he wasn't preaching. Remember the way Jesus preaches, he taught and he showed them how to do Or he showed them and then he preached about it. Nowadays, everyone listens to the message. So the message now, the sermon has become, in most meetings, more important than the presence. Remember Israel camped around the presence of God. The fire. The cloud. And they moved when the presence moved. They didn't camp around the message. Sometimes we're more focused on the sermon than the presence of God. So you can go read this in uh, the Passion Translation. It's quite amazing to just read that. So um, understand this, that we, we have a mandate uh, to minister to God, remember. The most important thing for us is our mandate is to minister unto God. Um, and um, But as we worship, it actually sets the stage for evangelism. That's what happens. The mandate is worshipping God, but actually worshipping sets the mandate. It is not... Uh, let me hold on. I'll get there. I'll get there. All right, my, my mind is running ahead. Okay, so back to Isaiah 62, um, where it speaks about, in Isaiah uh, chapter 62, it speaks about, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, remove the stones, remove the dusty rubble. Okay, what is it actually doing? Remember, the Old Testament is a foreshadow of things to come. It's a foreshadow of things to come. So he says here, Go, go through the gates, clear the way of the people, remove the stones, uh, remove the dusty rubble. What is it describing? It's describing worshippers. So, in their worship, people being caught in the presence of God, it is not only just worshipping God, but you need to realize as we are coming together worshiping God, it is actually removing spiritual obstacles for people even in the region. 
So we have breakthrough and stuff with certain businesses and yeah and that that were shared testimonies earlier on. But I know worship's happening at the house. Early hours of the morning. Sometimes we catch one another online. I've seen that as well with some of you guys. But do you understand in the place of worship you are busy removing and opening up things for your family. You're opening up things in your business. You're opening things in the region. I'm telling you now, only eternity will record and say uh, what, the fact that even positionally we move to this temporary venue, what's happening in the spiritual realm in this region. Guys, I'm telling you. Maybe only one day you'll know why. But as we, and that's what God said when we stepped in this year and we moved into this venue, small venue, we had to, God spoke, emphasized the thing of worship when we come together. That is so important. Why? Because we become those spiritual bulldozers that are opening it up. We're clearing the rubble out that people might tomorrow get in saved because they hear the message and the atmosphere has been opened and something has been shifted in the atmosphere. The first day we got here, do you know what? How was breaking out. Do you remember when we came here with the sound? Just things just went haywire. Why? Because something was touching the spirit. Because you see, when Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee and the possessed guy of Gadara came to him, the thing is, when our high authority comes, the whatever low authority has to come and bow down to that authority. That's why what happened with the possessed guy with all these demons, that there's more demons than pigs and whatever, and they were more demonized than anything else, and they bow down and fall, and he, the guy worships Jesus because a high authority had stepped in the region. And it has to bend its knee. So even that first day we came here, that is what was happening in the Spirit. So now imagine when we come and we're worshiping together, and they had one heart, one mind in the upper room. What happened? Heaven suddenly invades. And then it says there in Acts 2, it says a sound went out into the city. They didn't send out emails or texts or advertising boards where we meet in here on Sunday or advertisements. Do you realize that? A sound, something happened in the spirit. If you start to understand this, you realize it's not just the natural. It's the super and the natural happening. Zion 62. And I'm going to start landing. Zion 62. Um, it, it says they also build up a highway. Alright. What, what does a, a build up a highway I mean? It, actually it's easy access. That's what's happening. There's access for others. This is the thing about the pioneering spirit. Is that, and I say that, that as a house, we've been called to pioneer. There's the stuff we're doing here that a lot of people will never do. Because it's not convenient, it's not comfortable. And one thing that is constant always here is change. Yeah. I'm telling you now, you know, it's fun. Our reward is in heaven. And our reward is Him, Jesus. It's not all the, all the nice, nice things. It's Him. So we cutting, chopping, open things in the spirit, opening things up for others to follow in. And he gets the glory. No, no man does. Alright. So these um, so building actually in this time and that, we're actually building a highway, an easy access. Okay. 
We're not focused on the devil. Please, I don't want to focus. More people are focused on the devil's here and the devil's there. I don't focus on him. I don't want to mention him. Simple. Just, just carry on. We cast the devil out and we carry on. We don't entertain devils. Um, so the second part of this assignment, remember, the first part is worshipping and being a worshipper, worshipping God himself as a worshipper, a lover of who he is. And um, the second part of this assignment is to minister, remember I said, to believers. Minister to believers. Now, um, this is also important, John, uh, the book of John 13, 35 um, that says that they will know that you, uh, uh, that, that, that you, my disciples, by your love for one another. Okay? And um, um, you know what? This is the thing about the local church, which is so important, is, um, is that God, that's why I said not everyone must be part of this church. I've said this before. If you're not called to this assignment, you must never be part of this because you're called to another assignment of another house. But when you're called to assignment and it's the family of God because Bible says God builds the church. So he adds you as building material where you must be, not where you choose. It's like God wants you to stay. This is the city he's called you to. This is what he wants to do. And you'll do whatever things in other regions, whatever, whatever. But this is where he calls you to. Man, come on, guys. Let's be honest. Who wouldn't like to have stayed at the sea or an island somewhere? Don't all put up your hands. It was just me then. Sorry. But the thing is, guys, you know, this is the thing about where God's called you. The boundaries he set for you. The nation he set for you. Why am I a white guy sitting in Africa? Come on. I mean, I had enough jokes in South American ministry. Where's the black people coming to minister? And they realize we're the guys standing and looking at them at the airport. We people, they didn't know we were white. I mean, this, and the jokes on the Lord because he's so, yeah. God is humorous, by the way. He's full of yokes. All right. Yeah, he has a good sense of humor, I believe. All right, so... Um, so we're there to, how will they know that we believe is by the love for one another? So guys, come on. Because you dress like this, because you like this, because you from this background, because you have this money, because you don't have this money, because, and that is where we learn to love one another. And that's how the people now start to see something in us. Because how can you get this right? Guys, I'm telling you, I know if people have said, I mean, because we're a multicultural church, I've never, never, and I will not uh, bow to the, my need to the political spirit. We must be so many black, colored, Indian, whatever. I will not. We pre preach a kingdom message, therefore we'll get people with kingdom heart. That's it. Because that's what happened in the New Testament. They had people from all different backgrounds there. Alright. So, the thing is that... Um, People are watching us. They're watching, how do we handle crisis? How do we handle things? People are watching. There we are this morning, and I'm, I'm still focusing, you know, using this example, I mean, what Will and him was saying. Yes, someone that's watching him for a year. Because our laugh many times speaks louder than our words. And they decide, no, no, I've been watching. I want to rather do business with you, not A, B, C, D, whatever. Why? It's because something happened in their hearts first to touch the heart of God. And when God's heart is touched, people's lives will be touched. And this is the thing is that people, we owe the world an encounter. There's, 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 you know, the way that we deal with stuff, and guys, we don't always get it right. We don't. 
I mean, people still offended. People are still this, and people. But we're called to grow up, you know. Um, so, how these people? How do you practice community? That's why, guys, it's not a Sunday meeting yet. How do you do community life with other people outside of this time? This time is a drop in the bucket of how you do life with people in the local. This house. I'm telling you, all of us come from dysfunctional families. Now we're trying to do family life, yeah. But when we get it right, when we put effort into it, something speaks outside them. People say, I want this. Why would you do this? Why would you help someone like that? You, you, you know, you're helping people with this food. You're helping people with that situation. You're just comforting those people. Why? They see something. They will know that you follow the Christ. Why? Because of the love you have for one another. Okay? Um, <clears throat> All right. So, we've said this before, is that uh, the scripture says that it is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. The kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Okay? And um, that is why miracle signs and wonders and healings were actually taking place. Because people were turning to Christ because of that. Guys, I mean, I, I've had our friends, and they might be watching now from Switzerland, uh, uh, many years ago that were in South Africa. And, and my, he turned to me and said, Sure, you know, I speak to someone about Jesus. And they, are you coming to our meeting? And, and that was, we were doing stuff sincerely, but sincerely wrong. Don't you want to come to our church on Sunday? Don't you want to come? Yes, I'm coming and coming. None of them came. And I remember you were so discouraged. And I've also seen that. People are not interested in going to a church meeting. Come on. They want to encounter God on the street there. That's where they need to meet Jesus. Not come to us. Look how nice we sing. Look at the nice facility we have. Not. <laughs> Alright. So, um, I want to say, you know, may, may it be that 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 People will know us in the city that we make it hard for people to go to hell in the city. Because of something that is in the house. Alright? So, um, we basically get the privilege of loving God first and loving people. Many people are loving us for what we have. <laughs> and it's not always the love, it's the other stuff. The goodies. What they can get. But that's the love of God is unconditional, right? So, um, what, what we need to see is an increase in harvest. And remember, increase in harvest is not about how many people we can get as members into this church. I'm not into that. Because many people that would then come shouldn't be part of this house because they're not called to this assignment. Do you understand? I, I just, I've never built like that. You know, come to this church. Come, No. But many times the motive for evangelism is that. <laughs> it's not connecting people to God. It's connecting people to leader. Or people in the church. Okay. Um, so, so remember, it's not about membership to be a member and that it has to do with he is worthy for what? A sizable harvest. God is looking for a sizable harvest. Okay. Now, um, I didn't get into that, but I want to just throw in this. You've heard of the Moravians and how the Moravians started in that. Um, they prayed for 100 years. They had people 24-7. 
for 100 years. They prayed. And then the great big revival started breaking. And how it was Count Zinzendorf and that, that started this. He, gets, he was a royal, uh, royalty, got saved in Germany. And how he, everything he dedicated, and they dedicated to prayer. But anyway, long story short, they had a saying, and their saying was, to win for the Lamb the reward. To win for the Lamb the reward of His suffering. To win for the Lamb the reward of His suffering. They said that's it. He died for us. We His reward. And we need to win people for that because people are His reward, man. Amen. I said this, Jesus could have taken us to heaven as soon as we gave our lives to Jesus. Eh? As soon as we got saved, he could have taken us to heaven. But he's looking, f- uh, he's looking for his glory to be manifested on earth with a harvest that is coming into him. So um, there's a harvest coming in. It's, it's, we have to co-labor with him. And he's looking for worshipers. He's not looking for... Uh, the church is a business. <laughs> He's looking for worshippers, people, lovers of God and lovers of people to transform cities. Amen. All right. I'm going to just pray for you. You can just stand. So <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for those listening online. And Father, I pray for everyone here this morning that, um, Lord, that it, it will be about this reward Uh, You are our reward and we are your reward. And Father, we pray that that in our love and our worship towards you, that we would really uh, say we are laborers, that we will be going out wherever place, workplace, wherever we might be, and to demonstrate your kingdom, not just in word, but in power, with healings, miracles, signs and wonders, that people will come to know you, Jesus. And Father, we pray for something just to be released this morning in the hearts of people just to share your kingdom by demonstrating it in power this morning, even from this moment forth. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.